a number of years in 2006. I was a public school teacher and left uh, that to uh, come on staff full-time at Church in the Valley. And like Jeremy mentioned, had the opportunity to know a lot of uh, staff uh, in, in this room, just as a pastor of the uh, new campus that we got started in Alhambra uh, back in 2013 and uh, 2014. And so uh, tonight I'm going to be speaking on, uh, like Jeremy mentioned, confession. And we're going to talk about that in a moment. But I just want to introduce uh, my family. Do you see a picture of us? Uh, not formally, you'll see a picture. That's my wife, Samantha. We've been married 21 years. And then uh, my daughter, thank you for that. Um, my daughter, Katie, is actually here, right there. Katie, she's there with us. Uh, she slipped in. She's just among you, right here. Um, Katie is uh, 17. My son, uh, Levi, the tall one there on the end, he's 14. And then Jude in the middle, uh, he's 12. And so we have three kids. And uh, we live in Fontana, which for some of you might as well be like Montana. Uh, but that's a map. It's just far. That's like 12 hours with traffic, if you know, not really. It's not that far, but uh, we are east uh, and north. Uh, that 15 that you see kind of splitting, uh, that's how you'd go to Vegas. And so we're kind of along that way. You kind of keep going east. And we started the church uh, there five years ago, uh, really with a desire to start a ministry that could help unchurched people connect uh, to the living God through Jesus. And so we started with a team of eight and uh, we've been sharing Christ, seeing people come to Christ. Uh, last Sunday, we actually celebrated 13 people who got baptized. And uh, yeah, praise God for that. And uh, God's been really working uh, just in the lives of people, those people who are, are desperate for hope. They're desperate for some sort of release from the life uh, that, that they've known. And um, some of you have experienced that as well when you are looking for something. And so today I want to kind of speak out of uh, a lot of what I've been able to see God do in the lives of people over the last few years, but also, more importantly, uh, in my own life as I've chosen to follow Christ, as I've taken him seriously. And so um, I want to just start with a question that I'd like for you guys to answer like among yourselves. And uh, there's an assumption behind the question, but I believe that the assumption is true. And it's this, is what causes uh, stress and anxiety uh, for most people? And so the assumption is that there are a lot of people that experience stress and anxiety. Is anyone in this room willing to admit that you have been stressed out this past week? Anyone? Or, you know, just weighed with anxious thoughts. So even in this room, my assumption is proven true because we, we live life. We breathe, and most of the time we breathe, we experience anxiety uh, in lots of ways. And so what I'd like to do is just kind of amongst yourselves, if you could turn to each other and just maybe answer the question, what do you think causes stress and anxiety for most people? Take like a minute to answer that. Go. Okay, 
I don't know. I always give time limits. I don't know. Did that feel about a minute? Let's just say that felt like a minute, okay? Um, what are some things, if you don't mind just answering them out? Now, so for some of you, the thought of yelling out an answer is causing a tremendous amount of stress, right? So you're like, this guy, this guy's causing it. But if you could, what are some things that you think cause stress and anxiety for people? What did you guys share? Ye yell it out. Future? Okay. Workload? Did I hear that right? Okay. Wanting to be in control, okay. Lack of sleep. Lack of sleep. Ooh, got a reaction, yeah. What else? Okay. Now, of others or yourself? Ooh, double. Double stress. Okay. What else? Not trusting God. Did somebody say money? Like having too much. It's like so stressful. I have too much money, right? Yeah. Not, not having enough. Yes. Exams, I don't think anyone has said that. Everyone had forgotten until you brought that up. And so now everyone's stressed. Let's do, let's do one more, one more. Other people, just, just other people. So in this series, just to, to recap, uh, you guys have been talking about unforced rhythms of grace. This idea of grace, uh, favor with God, fellowship with God, knowing him living life as he intends, understanding that, getting to know that, growing into that. And there's a sense of like, that's how life's supposed to be lived. But one of the biggest challenges to life is the stress and anxiety that we experience. That actually breaks many times the rhythm of grace that we experience. And so today, I'm gonna to be talking about confession and how what we experience in life tends to break that rhythm of grace and then what do we do to kind of get back in sync with God, to get back in sync with the grace uh, that, that he gives us. But what I want to do is I want to actually do things a little bit differently, and I want you guys to listen uh, to a music video. You'll actually listen and, and watch it. It's the song Daylight by David Kushner, and if you've heard it, it's a very powerful message where he, he's actually speaking about his own stress and anxiety, and if you will, he's speaking about his mistakes. He's speaking about sin, like the burdens, choices that he knows is wrong. And so what I'd like you to do is pay attention to uh, what he thinks the, the problems are in his life and then what he thinks he needs to do about it. Okay, so what are the problems and then what does he think you need to do? So anytime you listen to music, you watch a movie, you, you, you kind of engage with uh, culture and media, it's good to ask questions. And so let's watch it and then we'll come back and kind of share some of our findings. Let's watch it together. Same vibe. 
is uh, powerful, right? That's powerful. You, you, you hear a cry like that. And this is somebody that is a, a secular artist, is wrestling with his life, and produces music. And you hear it, and, and there's something that, that resonates with it. And you're going to see all the credits and of everyone that's pr produced that video right now, right? <laughs> I'm not even listening to you because I want to know who wrote that, right? But, but when, we, when we experience art, there's something about it which uh, touches us because many times we have experiences within us that it's hard to actually put words to. That's what makes art so, so powerful. But the thing about art, as powerful as it is, oftentimes it has messages that we have to filter. Uh, questions like, well, is that true? Like, is he saying what his solution is and what his problems are? Will that bring about the right result if he does what he says? And so what are some things that you think is his problem? What would you say from seeing? What is he, what is he burdened by from that song? Yell it out. What do you think? There's no wrong answer. What's that? Lust. Lust. Okay. Guilt. Anger. Temptation. His past. Shame. I think all of those. The sense that I'm trying to get ahead, but I can't. I, I'm, I'm stuck. Now, when I, when I hear that, and when I, you know, read those words across the screen. Now, first off, when he first started singing, did you say, that guy's got the lowest voice I've ever heard? Anyone, like, <laughs> did that take you a while to even listen to the words? You're like, that's not his voice. That's got to be auto-tuned 17 octaves low, right? Like, <laughs> lowest voice you've ever heard, right? But there's something about, like, when you read those words, that it, 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 there's actually something to it. Now, one of the things that he keeps saying is, I love it and I hate it at the same time, hiding all our sins from the daylight, running from the daylight. And I think that's part of what's been mentioned about, about shame. And what I want to talk about tonight as we focus on the unforced rhythm of grace with confession, it is that shame and the guilt and the past and the expectation and the stress and the anxiety that you experience sometimes on a daily basis, that I experience on a daily basis. Those are the things oftentimes that we don't speak of, but that really do break the rhythm of grace that God has for us. 
That is, when you experience shame and you experience guilt, it's something that's so gripping within you that oftentimes you, you don't know what to do. And many times because you feel some of that shame and you feel the past that's catching up with you or the future that's unknown and the fear that kind of rises in you, many times that causes us to go about it ourselves. In our, in our own way, we're, we're running from the daylight. We're, we're trying to figure it out, even if sometimes it means running in circles. And so the idea of confession is a word that actually probably has uh, different meaning to you or different meaning to me based on how you grew up. So when you hear the word uh, confession, what comes to your mind? What do you think of? A priest. Anyone grow up like in a Catholic family background? Yeah. Confession, usually it's a place you go and a priest that you talk to. Anyone else, what, what does confession bring to your mind? Getting in trouble. Yeah, you got to confess because you did something wrong. So it's not necessarily something you want to do because then you have to admit that there's wrong that's been done. So that there's kind of a, a negative connotation to confession, maybe because of our experience or maybe even because we have things to confess. So the whole premise of what I want to talk about tonight is this. When I confess to God, when I confess, I'm inviting God into my mess, like the mess of my life, the shame of my life, the guilt, the things that I regret, the things that are plaguing me. When I confess, I'm actually inviting God into my mess. I want you to, to really think about that because all of us have mess. There's things that uh, we are ashamed by. There's things that we keep doing over and over and it feels like we can't get ahead. Uh, we think we should be further along. Uh, we feel like we're not meeting our expectations of our parents, of our family, of, of ourselves. And we always feel like we're, we're running from behind. And so many times within us, and then it comes out of us, there's a turmoil. And there are many and hundreds and thousands of students on this campus that are experiencing this turmoil every day. And if you are a Christ follower, if you decide to follow him, you actually have the answer to the mess that people experience, and it's, and it's Jesus. There isn't actually another solution or another detour around the fact that you have to come to a point where you confess to the living God that you need him. There's no way around Jesus. And so if you're a Christ follower, what God wants to do is continue to, to work and repair and work on you so that you can share it with others so they can connect to the same God who will help them with their mess. And so confession is, is a very powerful thing. And it's not actually negative. It's the opposite. It, it actually brings life. Now, the definition of confession, according to Merriam-Webster, which just means I Googled it, and that was one of the top dictionaries that came to the top, OK? That, that's what that means. You guys Google as students ever? Is that a thing still? We didn't have computers when I was doing We actually marked on stone our assignments. <laughs> the internet, it's amazing. We're not, we're, OK, I'm not that old. Uh, Confession means this, to tell or make known something such as something wrong or damaging to oneself or to admit, to disclose one's faults. Now that sounds absolutely terrible. Why would you want to actually admit something that you've done wrong? Why would you want to disclose your faults? When I wake up, and probably when you wake up, the last thing I'm thinking is, how can I let everybody know when I've messed up and how I've messed up? Usually it's, how do we make people think that we are further along than we are? How do I appear that I have it all together? You ever had that thought? You might have even had that thought coming to challenge tonight. 
I got a lot going on in my life. Just smile, put your name tag on, and just act like everything's okay. That's easy. That's kind of the human nature in us. Again, because of the mess that's within us, sometimes we don't know what to do. But confession and turning to God and having this posture that we need His help is exactly what He will do to fix us, to repair us, and to help us from uh, the inside out. Confession is the realization that, that we have a problem, that we need God's help. Uh, it's agreeing that something is wrong, that we have messed up. There's shame that we don't quite know what to do with. There's guilt that we have that we don't know how to handle um, all of these things. And so when you speak of the rhythm of grace, grace is the gift of God through Christ where we can experience forgiveness. And so confession is the reminder that we've been given that grace. It's like re-tapping into the grace that we've been given. Because when we fail to confess, many times in our life, we just end up trying to fix ourselves. We try to take care of our own problems, on our own strength, with our own understanding. And many times, the darkness, like David Kushner was singing, it, it only just grows. Because you and I, we can't fix darkness. We can't. Only, only God can do that. He's the creator. He's, he's the light of the world. He has insight that we don't have. He has power that we can never obtain. But he gives us access to himself to deal with the darkness that, that all of us face. So when I confess, I invite God into my mess. I want to read a passage of Scripture in 1 John, which is in the New Testament, and then I'll, I'll, I'll break it down. So pay attention to kind of these, these themes. It says this, This is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus his son cleanses us from all his sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. And then verse 9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. And so this passage is a great passage that speaks of this idea of the mess of life, the sin that we experience, and with that, the darkness and the shame and the guilt, things that we've talked about. But then God's part in healing us and cleansing us and really putting us back together. Although we're messy people and broken people, through confession, we have access again to this God who, who really wants to help. He wants to help you. He wants to help me. So what I want to do is, is anytime you read a passage of Scripture, um, sometimes you can just focus maybe on a word or two and you move on, but it's very helpful to kind of look at a passage like this and then break down kind of what each verse or a couple of verses are saying. That's called, you know, the context. You guys know that. But it helps to kind of revisit and to, to focus. What are, what are some themes? What are the solutions? What is the writer and God's Word saying that we need to do when we experience things? And so I want to just kind of walk through uh, what confession brings. So the first is this, confessing sin uh, brings forgiveness and a fresh start. How many of you would like a fresh start in your life? Anyone? Okay. Anyone awake? Like, you know, yeah. Like, we all would like a fresh start because we know that in any day we can make a choice and we can blow it. Correct? Is that a safe assumption? We say something we shouldn't say. We offend somebody we shouldn't have offended. We drop the ball when we shouldn't have. 
We say yes when we should have said no. We say no when we should have said yes. That happens on a daily basis. But when we actually confess our sin to God and we connect with him, in fact, for the very first time, we experience a fresh start. The Bible calls this new life in Christ. You have a way to begin again, and that's verse 8. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. So the first thing I want to talk about is I want to kind of break down the scripture and then give three practices of confession. So think of this rhythm of grace and how these practices connect you to that rhythm of grace through confession. So the first confession that we see in this passage is this, that we all have to practice the great confession. Practice the great confession. Uh, This is found in Romans 10. And 1 John alludes to it. It says, because if you confess through the mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, what does it say? You will be what? Saved. Well, saved from what? What are you saved from? Any ideas? Saved from hell? The wrath of God? Death? Say that again. What we deserve? Yourself. Sin. Shame. Guilt. All the things that none of us want. But when we turn and confess to God that we need him and that we are broken, we are actually saved from those things. Verse 10, for with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one what? Confesses and is saved. Very interesting. Again, you see saved show up two times. Everything that was mentioned, that's what we're saved from. And how do you receive that? You confess. And so confession is really this understanding that you are alone and in desperate need of help. Again, you've tried to fix yourself, I've tried to fix myself, and we can't. This is really the beginning point of salvation, becoming a Christian for the first time. And so if there's some of you here that have never decided to follow Jesus for the first time, like you don't have that rhythm of grace established in your life yet. It begins with the great confession. That's when you realize like you can't lead your life anymore. You're not the boss of your life. You've tried to be the boss. You've tried to rule your own world, but you keep coming up empty. I spent many years of my life trying to live that way myself, trying to clean myself up, trying to make myself what only God can do, the ruler of the universe. And he's ruler in this almighty big way, but he's also this ruler and gracious God that cares deeply for us. And so the great confession is just this realization that we can't fix ourselves. There's nothing that we can do to earn God's favor. Again, that's grace. The only way we can experience this grace is by this great confession of desperation, of surrender. God, I need you. And your son, Jesus, came to die for my sin, for my guilt. And he took death so that I would not have to experience that eternal death and separation from you. That is the gospel. And you connect to the living God, and you're saved when you practice that great confession. So that's really the starting point of a rhythm of grace. It's becoming a Christian. If you're not yet a Christian, and you're sorting, and you're asking questions, and you've experienced some of the darkness... And you're maybe trying to shine your light, but it seems like the light is always overcome by the darkness in your life. You may consider, if you haven't yet, that it's time to make the great confession, to invite Jesus to lead you for the first time. 
So I encourage you to, to experience and to, to consider that. The second thing that confessing does, according to the First John passage, is this. Confessing sin keeps us from being deceived and deceiving others. Have you ever thought you knew something that was going on just to find out you were way off? Has that ever happened to you? I mean, in school, you thought you know exactly what you're supposed to be studying, and then you take an exam, and you're like, I don't even know what class I was in. You ever done that? It's like the worst feeling in the world. I've done that many times. There's many times in my life where I think I'm knowing the direction I'm supposed to go, only to know I'm lost. And that happens. Being deceived, whether we know it or not, is something that happens on a normal basis. Verses 6 and 8 and 10, if we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, the scripture says that we lie and we do not practice the truth. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. This is what is so important about Christianity. You actually come together with a group of people and you all look at each other and you say, you know what? We're all screw-ups. Aren't you so glad you're a part of Christian Challenge? Like, should that be the tagline? Christian Challenge, we're all screw-ups. That doesn't sell, right? It's pretty terrible. But if you think about it, it's one of the truths that guides us forward. Because when you remember that we're always right on the edge of darkness and we can be deceived, and not only that, we can deceive others, it reminds us of our great need of God day in and day out. We can never get too far before we turn back and say, God, wow, I'm off track and I need you. So Christianity is actually full of people who recognize that that darkness is always right there. And like the song says, we kind of want to run from the daylight. There's something in us. But it's actually confession that brings us back, the reminder that we, we sin. And that's the second practice. There's the great confession. We need Jesus and we turn to him and we follow him for the first time. The scriptures say that's when you become a Christian and you're saved. But there's a second confession, and it's continued. And this is practicing the daily confessions. Really, you have to be confessing uh, on a daily basis, hour basis, uh, all the time. And this is based on the, the Lord's Prayer or the model prayer that Jesus himself gave us in Matthew 6. Bless you. It says this, And forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. So debts, there is sin. And so Christ is saying, and anytime Christ is modeling something, you want to pay attention. He's saying when you pray, and that's really what confession is, it's a, a prayer, you're communicating with God. Anytime you pray, um, you need to be praying with this in mind, that you need to be asking for forgiveness for the, the sin that you've done. One of the, the greatest lies of our culture is, is you, you just be who you are, and as long as you're happy with who you are, that, that's okay. Actually, if you are who you are, but if you're a sinful person, you'll never be okay. And so for all of us, we're not okay because we are sinful. And we do treat people wrong. And we are harsh. And we do lie. And we cheat. And we're prideful. And we're arrogant. And everything in between. And so the great confession is just this realization that, God, I don't have to hide from you. I don't have to act like I have it all together. Uh, one of the reasons I'm so... Uh, motivated to speak uh, to you guys as college students is God really got a hold in my life uh, when I was a freshman in college. I went to Cal Baptist University in, in Riverside, and I was 17 when I started, and I was young. And like most young, uh, still like teenagers, I thought like 
I knew what was best for my life. You know? You know? Okay, thank you. Like when I asked a question, I was like, I don't even know what you're saying. Because you're 18 now. Of course, you got it all together, right? But I was just 17. And uh, the, the, thing, the thing in my life was that I, I grew up in the church, and I went to a Christian you know, college, and I learned really to play the game of Christianity. Uh, what, what that means to me is that I knew what to say and how to appear, but it wasn't real like within me. That, that was, I was, I was faking it. And Christianity seems like, again, it should be the place where you kind of have to fake it because it seems like everyone has it together. But it's actually the opposite. And it wasn't until I was in 17, and basically my choices had caught up in my life where I was um, just using people. I wasn't investing in anyone. It was all about me. It was all about my own terms, my own way, getting everything that I wanted out of relationships and not putting anything into it. And that included my relationship with God. I didn't want to spend time with him. I didn't really want anything to do with him. I just wanted the, the fun life. And college was like the great place to experience that. And I remember it was a Friday night, actually in about October. Uh, so right around this time in 1998. Was everyone born then? That's, I shouldn't have asked that. That's super depressing. <laughs> Running from the dead. Oh, man. Okay. Um, so in 1998, I... <laughs> I remember being in my dorm room, and I'd just been playing games with people. And I talked a big game, and I knew what to say. I wasn't walking with God. And everyone, it was a Friday night, and everyone was hanging out in their own groups. And they were, you know, going places and doing things and having fun. And I remember being all alone in, in my, my dorm room. And all of a sudden, this just wave of, like, just despair came over me. Like, I was super alone and lonely, and felt like I've spent all this time just having fun, but I don't have anyone that cares about me because I, I didn't care about anyone. It, it was all about me. I was very selfish. And then I heard just not like an audible voice, but like a statement that came to me, and it was like God. And this impression that I had over my life was, Alex, if you continue to live this way, you're going to experience this the rest of your life. That's what God told me. And I remember just feeling overwhelmed by this sense that God was exactly right. And that the darkness that I was feeling and that despair and the games that I had playing had just given me this rotten fruit. And God was saying, you know, you can eat that fruit, but it, it's going to be rotten for the rest of your life if you keep playing games. And that began a shift in my life where I think for the first time I decided to take God seriously. And that was part of my great confession, but also this, this daily confession that, that I didn't want to play games with God anymore. And I didn't want to play games with people. I actually wanted to invest in people, care about people, love people, put their goals and interests above my own. And so from that day in October in 1998, my life radically changed. And it changed out of this posture of confession that I was off track, I was self-seeking, doing whatever I wanted. And it came from this place where like, I don't, I don't want to do this anymore. I do not want to run. And so if you're like me, you just have to get to a point where it, as you sin, you don't have to play games. If you're a Christ follower, one of the greatest things you can do is, is be humble and honest with where you are with God. Talk to him. When you mess up, 
Admit it. God, I said that and it was wrong. I thought that it was wrong. Will you forgive me? And you move on. But you have to practice that daily confession. When sin comes to your mind, practice that confession. And it's just a prayer. It's just a conversation. God, will you forgive me for that? It was wrong. And then if you've wronged somebody by what you've said or what you've done, you ask for forgiveness from them as well. There's this forgiveness. We forgive us. You know, ask God to forgive us of our sin as we forgive others. And then we just pray, God, deliver us from what? From, from evil. Because we always know we're, we're always just one step away from going down the wrong path. And so if you're not yet a Christian, you have to practice that great confession. But then once you begin the Christian life, and for everyone who is a Christian here, you have to practice the daily confession. It's a continued thing. In the morning, in the afternoon, in the night, a sin gets brought to your mind. Confess it. What God is doing is he's actually allowing the Holy Spirit to speak to you so that the rhythm of grace can be reconnected with you and the living God. Think about how amazing that is. God loves you enough to convict you of sin so that you can connect back with him. It's tremendous. There's this fellowship that you can have, this partnership with God. When you confess and say, I don't want to be a part of this darkness because as your scripture says, God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. And so if you think God never leaves you or forsake you, but the fellowship that you have with God is strained when you're sinning because he's in the light. And so what we must do is confess our sin and say, God, I got into that darkness. I thought that. I did that. I said that. And it was wrong. Will you forgive me? And we enter back in the light where he is. And we partner with him again. It's very, very powerful. And then the, the next thing that, that John says is this. It says, confessing sin brings fellowship with God and one another. And I've already talked about this this some. But verse 6, if we say we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. So our culture says uh, you, you just run from your sin or you run from the light and you just ignore it and hopefully it will get better. But in a relationship with God, you, you realize it's not passive and you don't just have to hope that it will work out. You can have faith. You can trust that when you confess, God hears you and he will forgive you and you can partner with him again. But notice in the passage, it also speaks to how our relationships with each other uh, can get better. How our relationships with each other can, can be strengthened. I don't know about you, but I, I've said things in my life that I regret. Have you ever said something that you regret? Anybody? Like today? Keep those hands up. Today? Today? Yeah. Right. It's so easy. Anytime you open your mouth, we're in danger, right? Sometimes I open my mouth and a word comes out and it's like I see the words floating in the air and I think like, oh my goodness, I wish I could grab it and just shove it back in my mouth. You ever had that? Like, were you just like, ooh, that was not good. And it just lands exactly like I think it will. And then sometimes you don't even know you offend somebody and you see their face, you're like, oh dear. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I did something and said something. And what you don't want to do is like, I offend you for anything I've done. And I don't know what it is. But, but we have to learn, like, we have to keep in step. Okay, God, I want to be serious with my words. I want to take you seriously and, and really pay attention to how I communicate, my attitude, uh, and every aspect of my life. These are the things that, that involve this, this confession. And our, and our very fellowship with God and with others is, is connected to it. Um, recently, I, you know, I, I had this, this cell phone. 
it's an iPhone, it's, it's nothing special. But, but recently I um, was taking calls and I could not like hear people when I put the earpiece up to my, to my ear. And like, I'm like, well, I'm not that old. Like, am I getting deaf? Like, you know, the amount of t people that didn't react to that actually makes me nervous. Like, you think that's a possibility? <laughs> like, don't feel sorry for me. Like, where's his walker? Okay, don't feel sorry. I'm not deaf, well, at least I didn't. So I'm, I'm, I'm and I, I, I can't hear. And I'm just, I'm like, I'm sorry, I can't hear you. And people are like, you're breaking up. I'm like, no, I can't, I can't hear it. And there's nothing. So, so I, what I found out is I could begin, uh, the phone call, if I put it on speakerphone, and I could hear. I'm like, what? Like, what is going on? Like, my phone's broken. And so I go to the Apple store, and he looks at it, and he says, well, you know what it is? You have so much dust. <laughs> you know, I was like, oh, really? Like, wow, what's that? Like, you know, and he just began, it's kind of embarrassing, because, you know, he just begins to, like, clean it. I'm like, ooh, like, that's, like, my pocket. You know, you kind of feel dirty in the store, and everyone's looking at you. You're like, mind your own business, everyone. And you know, and then you ask for forgiveness because you sinned against them and confess, you know. Um, just making sure you guys are still awake, okay? So he begins, he begins to clean it, and he's still cleaning, and he's just cleaning it. And he's, like, really nice guy and just, like, let me see if I can fix this so you don't have to go deal with a warranty or anything else. And just he cleans it, cleans it, he cleans it, he cleans it, cleans it. And then he, and then he calls me. He said, can, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear. And I, for the first time, I could hear him again. Well, what was the problem? It, it was the dirt. It was the gunk. And that really does represent like the sin in our life. And so when we practice this, this daily confession, it's like you, you clean out the things in your life. You bring it out. And now you have this connection and you can hear from God again. And not only that, but you can connect with people when you deal with your sin, when you sin against people. Now, there's another confession here which is beyond just the great confession of salvation and the daily confession of sin. And it's actually the open and honest confession where you bring people into what you're facing. James 5.16, and I'm going to be ending with this. It says, therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be, what does that word say? Say it again. Healed. One more time. Healed. That you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Very interesting. So we have this picture. God is light. He can't be in darkness. If we're in the light, we have fellowship with him. When we're in darkness, that, that partnership and that fellowship is, is deteriorated. It's broken. It's, it's the dust in our spiritual life. But then there's this other component, and this is what I call practicing the open an honest confession, which is where you actually maybe have not sinned against somebody. You only really want to ask for forgiveness for people that you've sinned, like you've said something, you've done something, like external. That's why you don't want to go walking around just confessing your sins to everybody. Sorry I had that thought about you. Really don't like you. Forgive me for thinking that. Don't do that. That's really terrible. Like breaks relationships, okay? Don't do that. You freak people out, right? So you only confess, like, if it's external. I said it. I did it. Not just I thought it. But, but, James 5 is the caveat. You need people in your life that you can talk to and say, you know, the darkness is growing in my life. There's things that I'm facing that nobody knows. And I'm being broken down. 
I'm overwhelmed with my shame. I'm overwhelmed with my guilt. There's people in your life, and hopefully in this room, that you need to be able to talk to and say, like, I'm not in a good place. And I've got some things that I'm dealing with, and I just need to talk to you about it. Could we set up a time to meet? I know the challenge staff are here to provide that. That's what the Christian life is all about. You're not alone. You have the Almighty God that's with you step by step. And part of how we see Him at work is through people who will walk with you step by step. And so if you're in a spot tonight and you may be facing some things that you've not even talked to anyone about in your life, do not handle that alone. If you're at a place where you're being crushed by the darkness, by the guilt, or by the shame, God has freedom for you and He has healing. And sometimes you just have to open and honestly, honestly confess and say, I, I need help. Will you help me? Will you, will you pray for me? I feel stuck and I don't know what to do. This is what the scripture is speaking about. The healing that comes when we let people in. I've been at places in my own life with this where I just, I couldn't get past it. I just kind of was overwhelmed by guilt and shame and it just feels like my past keeps catching up with me. If you've ever had that feeling, God wants you to get to this place where you humbly just ask him for help if you've never asked him for help. Confess to him first. But then you just might get to a point where you have to, to let people in. Does that make sense? I encourage you to do that. We don't talk about these things a lot in any other form. But the Christian life is actually the place where you have to be able to talk about darkness and your struggles and your shame. And it's not the best picture of yourself. It's actually, again, I messed up. But by God's grace, I can be healed. And he'll use you in the lives of other people to set an example of just being okay with confessing your sin. Now, the power of the gospel is no man can save you. It's not through confessing to anyone that you actually get the relief. But part of that healing is realizing that you can't face your darkness alone. You may need some brothers and sisters to come alongside you. So as I close, I just want to give you some three things to kind of keep the rhythm going. Okay, I've given you some practices. The first one, the great confession. The second one, the daily confession. And the third, the open and honest confession. Those three practices. The rhythm of grace through confession. But here's how you can keep it. The first is keep short accounts. I had a mentor years ago say this, keep short accounts with your sin. What that means is when you sin, confess it. Did you hear that? It's simple. When you sin, what? Confess it. It's, it's freeing. You don't have to justify it. You don't have to make excuses for it. You don't have to kind of distance yourself from God until you've paid long enough for it. You don't have to run away so you feel like you don't deserve it, but you confess it. You bring it into light. You keep a short account. You sin. As soon as you know you sin, you confess it. Man, God, I blew that. Will you forgive me? I did that again. Will you forgive me? I said that. Will you forgive me? What you'll find is if you keep a short account, you'll also grow in prayer. Think about that. And your fellowship with God, again, is strengthened because you keep turning to him. So keep a short account. Second, reject guilt and shame. This is something that I had to learn through practice. 
uh, the enemy, Satan, the devil, it's all the same. Uh, he wants to come against you. One of the primary tools of the devil is to guilt you and to shame you. The darkness that we're talking about. If God is the God of light, what does Satan represent? Darkness. If God is the God of truth, what does Satan represent? Lies. So the enemy is always ready to speak lies about you and who you are. And the hard thing with that, some of them could be true because of things that you've done and things that I've done. But what the enemy does is many times he gives you and he gives me a general sense of guilt and a general sense of shame. You ever experienced that? Like you wake up and you're kind of discouraged. You feel down, depressed. Once that discouragement sets into your life, pay attention to that. The enemy deals with discouragement. He's doing that to push against you. He doesn't want you to make progress. So when you feel discouraged, don't just kind of, I wonder why I'm discouraged. I wonder what's going on. I feel kind of down. We may try to rationalize it. We may try to study it. Oftentimes, you need to reject it because the enemy is using that to, to actually push against you. And so if you feel a general sense of wrong, just ask God, God, I just feel generally bad about something. And I'm, I feel ashamed and I feel guilty. God, will you show me something specific that I can confess? Maybe pray that for a little bit. Maybe it's still just general. Like, oh, I don't, it's still. Then begin the shift. God, I just pray against guilt. So you go from praying from God to give you like this specific thing to then rejecting it. Because if God doesn't give you something, the Holy Spirit is specific, specific sin. Confess it. General, most of the time, is from the enemy. Does that make sense? Very important. Don't let guilt and shame settle. You have to reject it. And so for me in my life, God, I just pray against shame. I feel very discouraged right now, and I don't know why. I pray against discouragement in the name of Jesus. You just pray against it in the name of Jesus Christ. And oftentimes, literally this has happened in my life, I feel like I have a pressure on my forehead coming against me, and it kind of represents this guilt and this shame and a dark cloud over me and this, this discouragement. And I've experienced it so many in my life, many times after really good things that the Lord has done. And there's times where I pray and I reject it, and it's as if that pressure is just, poof, it's released. I don't know if you've experienced that before. But I have. And so you just have to get used to it. Like some things, just because I feel it, doesn't mean it's true. You have to reject guilt and shame. Then third, keep moving forward. If you've confessed your sin, the scriptures say he is faithful and just to forgive you and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. That should be the biggest cheer you give in your life right there. God will wash you clean. And so once you've confessed your sin, move on. Pick yourself up and do the next right thing. As I've put these practices, short accounts, confess my sin, reject guilt and shame, and keep moving forward. As I've done that, the grace of God has grown into my life. And that rhythm has increased, and I continue to see him work. And he'll do that for you as well. So I encourage you, if you've not yet become a Christian, think about the great confession. If you're a Christian and you're just kind of maybe a little bit loose with your life right now, just that daily confession, God, I want to get back in sync with my sin. I want to take it seriously. And then third, 
If you're really struggling, practice the open and honest confession. If I've not met you, I'm going to be hanging out afterwards. I'd love to meet you. If you need prayer, I'd love to pray for you. Let's pray together right now. God, thank you for your word. It is powerful. It shows us the way to go and how to, how to go. It shows us who you are and our desperate need for you. God, I just pray for anyone here who has not yet decided to follow you, that they will just make the great confession today and decide right now to give and surrender to you, give their whole lives to you. Uh, God, I do pray for anyone that's just battling guilt and shame in a general sense. They just feel discouraged and overwhelmed. God, I, I pray that, that the enemy will not have his way with anyone, that, that they'll find relief from you. And I just pray if there's anyone here that's just really struggling with darkness and maybe just unconfessed sin, that they'll just bring it out into the open. They'll confess it to you. They'll confess it to those that they've sinned. And if people are stuck, they'll just have an open and honest confession with somebody else where they just get help. God, thank you for this ministry, uh, for Jeremy and Katie and for all the staff. I thank you for every student represented here, for the unique life that you've given them. God, we thank you for all the ways in which you've worked in their life to bring them to this point. God, I pray that you'll give them your power, the identity that you've made them for, and that you call them forward in your name. And it's in the name of your son, Jesus, I do pray. Amen.